Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for part two of the defense, and uh, joining us is Vas Laricos of Baltimore Beatdown. Vas, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. 
Always a pleasure to talk football with you, my friend. Tell folks where they can find you online and uh, your work and your Twitter handle. Co-managing editor and writer for Baltimore Beatdown. Please come visit our blog and also on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. All right. Outstanding. Uh, Before we move on, we need to thank our sponsor. And that's Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been good to us. Outstanding lime seltzer flavor, if you like that. Also, uh, recyclable aluminum cans, which, if you don't know, are a lot better than plastic, which will end up in a landfill. So uh, appreciate you giving that product a try. We talk a little bit about the pass rush here, and we hit on this briefly in part one, boss. But you know, it was a day where McDonald sent some numbers and he sent some deception, and basically, when he did it, he was pretty much doing the Steelers a favor. Yes, uh, the pass rush wasn't uh, as effective as you would like. Um, the one I really liked was the first sack, the double uh, mugged up A-gap, where they, both Queen and Roquan are on either side of the center. And he's used that a few times. And he sent Queen and Roquan and then ended up getting the cleanup sack. I think that's a good way to combat the ball out quick uh, in a way. So I think that's actually one of the better, uh, you know, ways to get after the quarterback going forward. Well, he, he turtled up right away on that play. And that was certainly one where uh, the left guard and center did not have their understanding in the same place on that one. Cause one of them should have been obviously picking up queen in that situation. And queen of course got through and, and he did more on that play then I think a lot of people think a lot of people look at it and say, well, just miss a tackle, miss a sack. He turned the quarterback 180 degrees, got him stumbling away from the missed sack where Roquan, you know, easily cleaned him up. So uh, he, he definitely created at least an incomplete pass on the, on the situation. I would not call it, you know, a, uh, I, I wouldn't you know, dock him for his pressure or anything like that just because he, he wasn't able to bring the quarterback down. But then again, it would have been nice if, uh, <laughs> if he could have done that. I uh, want to talk a little bit, about what happened in this game because it's very odd that the Ravens were able to get fairly consistent pressure. They got 15 of 33 dropbacks that resulted in a pass or sack. They got a pressure on. So that's a good percentage, 45%. But uh, Trubisky had an inverted game and very unusual, but let me make sure I have my pad in place here to uh, to talk through these numbers. Uh-oh. Yeah, here we go. Um so when the Ravens got pressure, 15 plays, and they had two sacks in there for minus 12, still got 162 net yards. So 10.8 yards per play under pressure for Mitch Trubisky in this game. That's a very high number, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> and you're supposed to do better. I would say normally you'd be in the um, four-yard range per mm-hmm. play when under, when under pressure. and. And if you get five or five and a half, that's really good. Uh, even though that wouldn't be good on a per pass basis, it's good under pressure. Um, if you get two, that's bad. But you know, you, you, you're basically what the the rule of thumb during the Flacco years was always when the Ravens could deliver him ATS, uh, it was worth about four yards of, okay. of additional things. So that was a that was a nice little thing. And I think good quarterbacks today really beat the league up a little bit uh, more decisively with ample time and space. Uh, if it's Josh Allen or Mahomes or somebody, I'm certain I'm certain you'd see that. In this game, with ATS, he had it nine times for 50 yards. So that only works out to 5.6 yards per play. The ball was out quick, and that's been a big um, 
uh, Achilles for the Ravens defense recently. Another nine times for 52 yards. So uh, five point, what is that? 5.8 uh, yards per throw on that. And three of those were incomplete. One was intercepted. ATS, he threw, he had nine times. Two of the interceptions mm-hmm. occurred, you know, on those. So uh, big inversion of the normal results in terms of how Trubisky was, was pressured or not. I don't think Trubisky was necessarily, you know, cerebrally dissecting the blitz and finding someone wide open. It just so happened that maybe on those plays he was pressured were the plays that the receivers went up and made a play on the ball. I think probably having an extra man in coverage definitely helped on the two interceptions, the mm-hmm. inside linebacker interceptions. But um, it, it, more of an anomaly than Trubisky was some mastermind Tom Brady-esque, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> surgeon out there. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, it's funny when you put it that way because he, I, I, I noted one where he really got to a hot read quickly on a Hamilton blitz. But the Ravens don't usually, you know, they don't they don't do that a lot of times per game. A couple times they'll blitz Hamilton. Once or twice they'll blitz Humphrey sometimes if he's in the mm-hmm. slot. But most of the times it is inside linebackers who are blitzing. And you made the point exactly correctly that it really helped to have Queen and Roquan back in, and completely atypically because, you know, we have not seen the Ravens, generally speaking, be good on any passes behind the inside linebackers. But this was a game where they scissored out two of those interceptions by closing the window and thing of beauty in both cases. Yes, for sure. For sure. And it just looked like Trubisky didn't even, and it was almost, especially Roquan's, the play design almost led Roquan right to the interception because mm-hmm. they kind of had two crossers coming right to the same area and he just didn't see him. Now, Queen went up and made a nice leap for his interception. Uh, but, you know, that's that's a play they should have made and they made him. So you have to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a theory on why a quarterback gets caught in this position. We we heard any number of times from Joe Flacco over the years, I didn't even see him. I didn't even see him. I didn't even see him. Well, you know, why not? You know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Or why are you not, you know, a- accounting for him? And I think the reason is the quarterback is focused so much on the trail coverage defensive back that uh, particularly on a crosser and and maybe also on on what might happen in the mesh if they if they get a rub, if they get, you know, a look they want coming out of a of a of a crossing point. You know, so you know, it's always bad when Greg Roman has two receivers in the same area, except when they, when, you know, when they when they pick off each other. But anyway, not, not to get away from this, that, that, that Flacco, you know, and uh, any quarterback, Trubisky in this case, is so focused on basically the dart he needs to throw to get it by the trailing coverage and into a position where his receiver can catch it. And that's a, that's a fine motor skill, kind of a, I need to get it there. And it also means it has to be a fine focus where he loses his broad eye, frog eye focused of, you know, a full 180 degrees or whatever he might be able to get. Um, and then he, he, he in the, obviously by doing so loses the, the, the inside linebacker who's closing the window. Mm-hmm. And I believe on both interceptions, that was a case. I have to make sure on the Roquan interception, he wasn't the trail guy who was somehow through behind. But I think in both cases they closed, right? No, he was weak sided. He was covering Roquan was covering, um, uh, I think it was Sims or at, or it, was, it might have been Najee Harris out of the backfield on an angle route, and he just let him right into uh, right into him. That's uh, you know, it's that's what Garoppolo is famous for just not seeing inside linebackers. You know, and some quarterbacks just have that 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 you know mistake prone 
they just don't see them. And yeah, it, uh, so you capitalized. <laughs> it's it's funny that, that that quarterbacks are trying to not make a mistake by throwing a super accurate pass and throwing a catchable pass. And that leads to more mistakes because their focus mm-hmm. changes on the field to do that. So, All right. So let's talk some more about the pass rush maybe. Uh, let's talk about by numbers and results because this was a really odd game for that as well. And, you know, normally you have young quarterbacks. Well, you started certainly pick it in this game. And you might rush numbers, you might use deception, you might do a lot of things to try and get them off their game. But you got to find out what it is that's going to force them into mistakes because young quarterbacks will make a lot of mistakes. They have the potential to make a lot of mistakes. You just need to bring out that potential in them. <laughs> and they can get the most out of their potential. So, <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, the Ravens rushed uh, 10 times. They rushed five plus in this game. And the Steelers averaged 10 yards per play on those on those they did have one of their turnovers with a with a five-man rush but uh 10 plays for exactly 100 yards uh they averaged 8.0 yards overall but when they rushed three or four it was a more manageable 8.6 yards per play and 6.7 yards per play with four which was the the, the primary and that and they of course had a sack and two turnovers with four so basically another case of just the ravens doing them a, doing the steelers a favor by bringing too hot a rush and not letting Trubisky find the place where he could make a mistake on the field. Yeah. And that's Trubisky. Again, he's not known to be that, um, you know, cerebral quarterback. By now you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and they're infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death, the other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study that's liquiddeath.com slash film study maybe this was the game plan that was really intended for Pickett, and when he was knocked out Mm -hmm. some of the remnants of that game plan remained um you know you want to be able to pivot in game um you know a former coordinator bartdale i thought did a pretty good job of that throughout his time here and maybe this can be a little bit of a learning lesson for mcdonald then again you know Maybe you send the blitzes and they don't get home, but then he starts expecting the blitz, and maybe that's why you get those interceptions because he's not expecting that linebacker to be in coverage on a later play. So all's well that ends well eventually, I I suppose. Yeah, I I think I'm going to give McDonald a little credit for figuring out what was going on, even though the results weren't perfect. On the last two drives, they only brought one rush of six men. Everything else was a four or a three. And they did pick up the second sack during that time on a four-man rush. Uh, they give up some big plays too, because you know the Steelers were pushing the ball down the field, and you know were fairly effective doing it. They didn't have an interception on either of those two drives, so 
uh, you know, anyway, that uh, they were still getting beat a little bit. But I, I, I do give McDonald a little credit for adapting in this game to to a little bit of more of a conservative game plan as as they got later in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that second sack was uh, Bowser just just beat the uh, right tackle with speed um, and just you know took him down, which was good because he missed one earlier. So yeah. you know it wasn't like uh, some. Tech, hand technique usage uh, masterclass. You just beat him with speed and, and got a sack. Really, really nice to see that from Bowser. I mean, he's he gets pressure in in multiple ways, but uh, when he can get a little bit of a shoulder dip and get underneath and uh, um, and 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 beat a you know, admittedly kind of a one of the slower, clumsier right tackles in the league in a core four. Um, that's a, that's a positive thing. So uh, mm-hmm. anyway, he's. Uh, I, I, I think the Ravens have really benefited from Bowser's return in a lot of ways. First of all, Bowser's play has been at a high level, but second of all, that uh, it has allowed them to move their other outside linebackers back to the positions where they're most comfortable and most able to produce at the higher level. And even though we haven't seen as many snaps from Oway, Oway still got pretty good um, pass rush production on a per snap basis. So uh, I, I'm 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 still optimistic he's going to turn his season around and be better than he has been so far. Yeah, Owe. I mean, he had such a ridiculous workload in the first quarter of the season that I almost feel like they burned him out. You know, in a way, that's a grueling position to play that many snaps. Bowser completely agree. He's been outstanding. Just the versatility. Just all three, all three, um, you know, functions of the position coverage run defense setting the edge and brushing the passer out of all the players that were injured last year, that returned this year. I think mm-hmm. he probably has regained his previous form completely compared to some of the other guys. Yeah, that's a good point. I I'm, I'm hoping that JK is back uh, at the current, by the way, I a side note on this, but JK obviously had a wonderful game, but I, the 44 yard run that happened, my immediate reaction is when he got it down to about the 20 yard line is, Oh my God, he's hurt again. Look at this. He's hobbling. You know, trying to make it to the sideline here, and and you know, then Minka you know drops him pretty hard over there, mm-hmm. and I thought, uh oh, that's not good. And you know, I thought he was hobbling off at that point, and then he was right back in there for the next play and ran a four-year touchdown. So, right, he I don't think he quite has that sixth gear yet. Um, hell of a hell of a job blocking up that play too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Justice Hill probably would have taken that one to the house. Yeah, well, I, I certainly he's much he's faster than 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 the the other guys. But you know, it's interesting because there's a desire, obviously, to to credit somebody with a good block on that play, and they they picked out Linderbaum. To me, it was Cleveland who had the really good half of that of that whole clearing block. But it was very impressive on both sides of it. Both players certainly deserve credit, and it was a little surprising to me that coming off even a two play drive like that, that we didn't see a lot more of Cleveland in this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Colon did pretty well. It's mm-hmm. interesting that they are able to run on the Steelers pretty consistently. Um, would Pittsburgh has a pretty good run defense in most games, but the, Greg Roman really seems to uh, to have the uh, you know the elixir to to produce whether it's you know backups in or who is who is mm-hmm. they just they seem to be able to run on Pittsburgh consistently. Yeah, it's, it is a the Ravens in the Lamar Jackson area. One of the hallmarks is that even if you have a good run defense, you are not necessarily going to have a good run defense against the Ravens. And there have been some teams, good run defense teams like Tennessee, who who have figured it out even in that times. But it it just depends on a different skill set. You got to have inside linebackers who can really move to a spot, uh, you know, and it, and it 
favors players like JOK in the division in terms of being able to being able to uh, be positive. The Bengals guys and you know Logan Wilson has been a now a, a constant pain in the butt for the that's, that's Logan Wilson, right? Logan, yeah, yeah. Logan Wilson, yeah. yeah. Well, Pittsburgh has speed at inside linebacker. That's mm-hmm. the uh, I mean they have relatively small inside backers that are more known for quickness, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They just it's it's certainly a good thing. I'd, I'd like to if there's you tell me any team you can guarantee you're going to run on them, I'll probably pick Pittsburgh. Okay. <laughs> going into the season. <laughs> so, Devin Bush, um now obviously the Steelers did not pick him up for his fifth year option. So, he's going to be gone uh after after this is he's in his fourth year. So, this yes. is this is this is it for him as a Steeler likely. They you know, they could come back and and decide that they want to they want to sign him. Um, would you see him as a as a uh, option for the Ravens if they're unable to get Roquan, or would you not spend a mid level contract on an inside linebacker if Queen is your if Queen is your only guy? I would not spend a mid level contract on an inside linebacker. I just think the opportunity cost is too great. Um, if you put a mid level or a Roquan, even I mean if he. If he goes out and dominates in the playoffs against the Chiefs or something, then you probably pay the guy. But even at that point, I don't know. Just you, you, it's not only that they are not the most impactful position on the defense. I mean, the two best, my mind, defenses over the last decade were the Denver and mm-hmm. Jacksonville. And both those teams were weak at inside linebacker. But they had a, a bunch of coverage backs and a really good defensive line and really good edge rushers. You, I think it's the least essential, but not only that, it's the most replaceable. We saw it in 2019 where you pick up two inside linebackers off the street in week five and go on a 12-game winning streak. I don't think there's any other position besides maybe running back that you'd be able to do something like that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And, and you, you, you know, that team, that 2019 team, first of all, they rebuilt the defense on the fly, which is one of the greatest general manager slash coaching fixes you'll ever see. Mike Martindale should have a job for life coming out of something like that. And and Eric DaCosta needs to be fully credited for making all those acquisitions that season to to, to make that happen and, and, and make it work. Uh, but I agree with you that that inside linebacker, if you're going to sacrifice, and that's the question, you know, as a GM, you got to answer, you know, where am I not going to spend money? Don't tell me who you're going to spend money on. Oh yeah, get him, get him, get him, get him. They're all available. Put it on the credit card. Put it on the credit card. You know that's not that's not being a GM in the National Football League. Being a GM in the National Football League is figuring out where do I not spend money. Right. Exactly. So, so I think the Ravens have maybe spent money where they didn't necessarily. They could have used money better a few times in the name of their identity, and at some point that comes in conflict with the way the league is moving. I think so. Uh, you know, it's going to be really really interesting. But if you pay Roquan after trading the picks for him and then you have less money to use in free agency as well and again you have you need at least one if not two corners and a receiver and you have one first round draft pick a third round pick and you're tight against the cap i don't know i mean i've just i've watched ravens football for a decade now and they're always it seems to be either a cornerback or a wide receiver short come playoff time and i would much rather be an inside linebacker short i think josh Bynes could have made that interception that roquan made it wasn't. It was a. It was essentially a room service interception, mm-hmm. and we've seen Bynes make plays like that before. And so that's that's my two cents. I'm I'm pretty uh, into the positional value, and I think inside linebacker is the running back of the defense, and uh, that's not a place to spend. Yeah, unless you're going to go all in. If you're going to go all in, 
that and you're going to mortgage the future, then you can afford it. But if you're not, I think you need to pr- prioritize the positions that are not replaceable. Well, and and that's it. We've had that discussion before. Well, I, I, I definitely respect your opinion on the inside linebacker position there. As a season ticket holder, I, I don't want anybody mortgaging my future because those are seats that I've I've agreed to buy for the foreseeable future, the rest of my life. I mean, just that sure. simply the rest of my life. And and I don't I don't want somebody telling me, you know, play for this year. We don't care about the future. Championships are all that matter. Flags fly forever. Well, no, you know, I, I'm I'm at my seat every Sunday for the next until I can't walk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and, and maybe even after that. And I'm going to tell you if if I have to pay for a seat that I'm I'm not happy with the product on the field, I'm going to be a lot more upset with it. In fact, it's one of those things, you know how you know people react worse to a loss than react they react positively to a win in like a stock right. market transaction or something. It's like that. Uh, you know, so I, I don't want to sit through bad football. It's punishing nasty stuff, uh, you know, sitting through good football and, you know, having hope and and, you know, having a lottery ticket every year to to, to be in the playoffs. I'm much more positive on that. Yeah. You know, I, we I, we should um, set aside some time to discuss this in the offseason, sure. I think, because I have a few thoughts and questions. And really, the big thing is how far is the downturn actually would it actually be if you're slightly more aggressive? I don't think the Rams model or the Saints model are effective, but I I do think the Ravens are maybe one of the five most conservative and maybe getting a little bit towards the middle range would produce more postseason success. But that's a topic for another time. Sure. One of my questions, and I want you to think about this while we're doing this, maybe the end of the show, if you have an answer for me already, but what amount, what amount of success is good enough? If it's not a championship is a conference title appearance good enough is a, you know, a one win in the playoffs on a fairly consistent basis. I mean, there's only 11 playoff wins. I'm sorry. There's now 13 playoff wins to go around every year. But that means the average playoff win team only gets average. Sorry. The average team only gets 13, 30 seconds of a playoff win per year. How mm-hmm. many playoff wins per year do you need to average to, to be OK with what the franchise is doing? I can answer now. I'd like to see a conference championship game appearance. It's been nine years and counting since that. Harbaugh made three in his first five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a little bit of a change, and I think he got some more say over personnel and the direction changed a little bit. And now it's been very much raise the floor, raise the floor, raise the floor is pretty much most of the, the impetus for the moves they make. And I think they should add a little bit more raise the ceiling. If you can make a conference championship game once every three years, I think you are contending every season. Getting into the wild card, I think they've made the division around 33% of the time. That's not necessarily where the model is intended to do, I don't think. So, you know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl every year. Um, really more than going all in is maybe knowing which year to keep your powder dry. And I go back to 2000, I believe 2016 where they extended Flacco off of the negative interception to touchdown ratio and a torn ACL and did a, another, a bunch of stopgap moves to try to just get into that eight or nine to 10 win range. If they would have taken a reset there, I think they would have been better off for it for the long term. I think if we're, if we're looking back at that time, I, I don't, question that you're right it would have been a a difficult time to be a season ticket holder if you had to have a couple 2015s in a row and i can tell you that was not a fun season to be a fan and it was not a fun season to be an analyst and when you're kind of locked in to both it makes it that that much tougher so anyway i'm i'm uh i do understand your position and i really respect your position more than anything else because you state it well and you really think through it 
and a lot of the other people on Twitter, I, I don't don't really engage with as much when they when they just say put on the credit card, put on the credit card, because they're what they're basically doing is they're not taking responsibility. And I hear you talking about running back and inside linebacker. Okay, this is why I don't want to spend immediately. Your your opinion's worth more to me. Right. And I also respect your opinion, certainly, as a season ticket holder. I understand that perspective completely. The the thing that uh you know grinds my gears a little bit is when you maybe say, I think the Ravens could do something differently, and then it's, well, this is the Ravens' way, and that's all that matters, and you yes. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's I mean, the, the Ravens have changed the Ravens' way, fortunately, and just the change to Joe Flacco to, to, to Lamar Jackson, obviously, was completely building around the quarterback. I mean, you at least got to give them credit for knowing what they had in terms of superstardom, latching onto that and, you know, basically hitching themselves to a star uh, in a way that was effective. Yes, uh, let's move on a little bit and uh, we'll talk uh, next about individual player discussion. And, uh, you know, normally I let the guest pick, but I see Voss is taking care of his dog here, which you've heard doing a little scratching and whatnot. So I'm going to talk about a player that I thought had a really good game that we really haven't hit on so far, and that's Broderick Washington. So just talking a little bit about Broderick Washington's game, uh, really has contributed in a lot of ways. Good pursuit player. Uh, We saw that in this game. In fact, he he mirrored uh, the quarterback very well, and I think that might have still been picking on the second drive where he got the pass to fence to end the drive, so really good play there. Uh, he's in the backfield a fair amount, does not usually get credit for the tackle, often does not, uh, but he got in on one in this game. He's had a little bit of pressure. I've just been so impressed with the way he's moved forward, and I believe for the second consecutive game, he was the number three, M- well, I'll give it away, the number three MVP in this game for me. Outstanding game for Washington. I mean, the Raven, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh, uh, after I believe five straight games of 100 yards rushing, mm-hmm. um, did not eclipse that. They we're at three and a half yards in a t- uh, per attempt. Uh, Washington also made a tackle in space on a, uh, I believe it was a, uh, a quick out to a receiver. Um, mm-hmm. So he's really playing well. I think he's developed into one of the best, you know, technically, I guess he's a starter, but he's really a backup mm-hmm. um, in the league. I mean, I th- I've been extremely impressed. We thought this time last year he might – not even made the team this year. He had some off the field problems. He was a late round pick. The Ravens have picked so many defensive linemen in, in the mid rounds and the late rounds, and none of them really uh, developed into much except for except for Washington. Even even going to Chris Wormley, who was on the opposite sideline this game. Um, so yeah, I'm very impressed with him. I'd like to see him. You know, if they can get him a, a long term deal, a three year deal for. Two and a half million a year, something like that. I think it'd be a great move. Well, coming out of year three, this is the time to do it, and and you you might get him, you might get him at that kind of a price. I don't think it'll be quite that cheap. I think it'll be more like three years, twelve million or something. But uh, it it could be a good deal. He's he's probably slated to make some additional money, and I'm not an expert on this part of the game in terms of how performance escalators work. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he might be he depending on on how the defensive line is done, he might be slated to make some additional money this next year. I think it's snap count primarily. So because he's in such a heavy rotation, that might work in the Ravens' favor. Okay. All right. There's a good reason to rotate a defensive line, frankly. <laughs> um, l- looking back, I-, I do think the Ravens have been pretty good at drafting defensive linemen. The problem is they went through a long period where they didn't draft any because the, the classes were really thin. 
And they're very fortunate that Matabike and uh, Washington are kind of both maturing in the same year. And Matabike and he, I think Matabike and Washington are both your three players. So they're both uh, could be players that, that get a uh, contract this off season. Matabike probably be pretty expensive if they, Mm -hmm. if they try and sign him. So you're going to have to be more careful on that. Um, Probably less likely to happen, honestly. Yeah. I think that's uh yeah, again, you have to pick and choose your battles, and that might not be the battle to take. But they have – I mean, they had Carl Davis, Warren Lee. They took uh, Dalen Mack in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Washington was a fifth-round pick, right? Fifth, For a yep. fifth-round pick to really come on in his third year, that's a, that's a really good pick. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back a little bit, but Urban, I think, was a six. He might have been a five. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I might be wrong about that. Uh, go back to Arthur Jones, who was a, a black dot on the Ravens board, a guy who – uh, they had real injury concerns about, and they wouldn't have drafted him early. In fact, they, usually a black dot means they won't take him at all. Mm-hmm. But they took him in the fifth round just because he dropped so far, uh, coming from my alma mater at Syracuse. That that uh, he's a uh, he's another one that they have to. You'd have to say they did pretty well on. I think they've done generally pretty well. Jernigan was a good one. I thought yeah. Jernigan was. But anyway, it's just for when they pick him early. Anyway, Washington's having a good year. I agree. Yeah. All right, your turn. Who do you want to talk about next? Um, let's go to Travis Jones. I thought Travis Jones maybe had one of his best games as a professional was disruptive, really held his ground. Well, taking on double teams, um, and made some plays. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily the pass rusher. At least he hasn't been the pass rusher that maybe everyone was excited about when he was getting late first round draft projections, that's okay, you know, for a third round pick who can he's not, he's not nothing in the pass rush department. Yeah, he gives you something. Um, that's exactly I think the level of investment and the level of production you really want out of your big nose tackle. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would definitely project more for Travis Jones in the future, but I think we're seeing something. Uh, you know that he's he had a tackle. His one tackle in this game was a was a run right for one where he shed his block very effectively on Mason Cole. If you look at it, it's Q2 945 if you want to get to the play. But uh, very impressive uh, play there. We've seen him uh, create space for other players a lot too. He, you know, he's he's off the ball quickly. Still an area where he can improve. Um, you know, still an area where uh, he can he can build up his grown man strength and and be the kind of toe to tip of his head muscle that Matabike is in terms of ripping people around. Uh, but but he's you know he comes into the this league with a uh, uh, you know the right kind of body the right kind of frame to to make positive changes to it and I think he's going to be a very good player. Absolutely. All right, I guess it's my turn again. We'll go to number three. Let's talk about Patrick Queen. He certainly had uh, another good game here. It wasn't without warts. Uh, he had some he had some problems with uh, uh, with missed tackle if a missed tackle I should say in this game. Uh, but generally speaking, he he did some positive things. Uh, the missed tackle on the sack was bad. Uh, he he had another quarterback hit, though, where I was very impressed with the fact that he got over the block of Najee Harris, who looked like he probably had him upended, and he still managed to get the, um, the feet of Trubisky and bring him down. The pass went for eight yards anyway, but, he, but he, anytime you can get the quarterback on their back, however you can do it, it's a, it's a good thing. Yep, yep. That uh, you know, gradual wear and tear builds up over the game to help to, to you know, slow the quarterback down. Um, I believe it was twice, maybe three times, just still struggling to get the exact feel for his own coverage. 
just not quite dropping to the proper depth or just not having the awareness where, I mean, and Fryermuth was, was really the man that they were targeting primarily. I think both the interceptions were for Fryermuth. So it's nice to give Pittsburgh a little payback after they've intercepted balls intended for Mark Andrews, our tight end. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, Queen is, he is who he is. He's really good coming forward. He's not as good going backwards, but then to make this interception in that game, which was, Really a highlight real interception, the way he jumped up and snagged that one. Um, yeah, good game. It's kind of two competingly opposite plays where he's dealing with a, a, a flatter route. And, you know, one you might call a true flat route, and the other is more like a tight number two, is, uh, if, I, if I was talking to uh, Coach DC on this. But uh, and the first, first play is the third and one where he had trailing coverage of Harris on that little pass right that went for one plus six near the right sideline. So it was what it was, but, but mm-hmm. he gave up the first down there. He's the only one who can potentially cover that play, and he's got to he's got to be better at anticipating it and denying the uh, space that Trubisky has to throw, the, denying the lane to Trubisky there. So he didn't get that done. But then later in the game, uh, they threw a little little similar pass to the left side, mm-hmm. where no, there was no pass defense credited, but basically. He was in the way. He was denying space, and then he actually hit the receiver. And it looked to me like it probably should have been a PD, but the Agreed. guy didn't, yep. didn't do one. Yeah, yep. yeah, I saw that too. Um, moving on, let's talk about Marlon Humphrey because I don't think we've touched on him yet. Tough game for Marlon. He's having an all-pro year. He allowed three completions of 25-plus yards in this game. Also picked up, was it two pass interferences? At least one. Well, actually, it was an offsetting pass offsetting, interference. Offsetting, yeah, in the end zone. With – on the same receiver and corner. I'm not sure if I've seen that called that way before. <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to Marlon. I thought he was very good in run support, um, coming up and, and getting off tackles and, and making hits for uh, for a loss or right at the line, run stops. Um, as far as his coverage, I thought the technique was fine. Um, you know, he's using that three-quarter technique with his, with his backside facing the sideline. Um, just Pickens went up and, and made the made the catch. Um, and then to the one to Deontay Johnson, Johnson accelerated, um, you know, at the right time and just kind of pulled away. Um, so sometimes you just have to tip your hat. That's the nature of defense in the NFL these days. I didn't think it was a horrible game or he was blowing coverages. He just lost a few at the catch point. And I think we forget sometimes he's not the biggest corner. I think he's about 5'11", 6 foot, but he's not Jimmy Smith, you know, 6'3", where he's just going to go up and uh, and just, you know, suffocate a Pickens. So uh, those are my thoughts on Marlon for this game. Yeah, I, I, I would I would start with a point that I think he's having one of his best coverage seasons still, even after this game. Um, and, and I agree. It's just a, the, the Steelers showed more of a willingness to throw at Humphrey than anybody has. I mean, you, you, Terrell Rivas is the classic corner from the fairly recent past who just no one would throw at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the number of targets he would get was so low, it's, it became really hard to grade him. Well, that's that was true of Humphrey for a lot of this year is that they just haven't thrown at him much at all. Um, you know, the certain free safeties and, and Earl Thomas before he came to Baltimore certainly had this reputation as being a guy nobody would want to throw in the area. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, um, odd kind of game when he gets thrown at several times and, and he was targeted seven times in this game and he had some good plays too. He had great coverage in the end zone on a ball that he effectively forced to be thrown out of, out of bounds. That was, I think on the third and 13, right? 
or if it wasn't, it was it was it was in the end zone anyway. It was down in the yes. Right you know, I, I think there was plenty of positive to, to to draw from this game and to say nothing is really wrong. But uh, but on the other hand, obviously, he's got to play better than he did in coverage in this game. And, uh, and you know, I think enough said on that topic. He uh, he needs to be the Ravens' number one cornerback. Yep, yep. I mean, he is. He still is. You got it. I agree. Great year. Um, sometimes teams will take the number one corner and, and use him on their number two receiver and then bracket the number yeah. one. I don't think you need to do that with Humphrey, but uh, just he's, you're not going to win every you're not going to win every snap. They call them 50-50 balls for a reason. You're supposed to win half and lose half. <laughs> there you go. And you know, three coin flips are sometimes going to end up with three three heads or three tails, whichever is bad for you. So mm-hmm. you're going to. Uh, all right. So uh, we talked a little bit about Patrick Queen, uh, Roquan. Um, you know, again, a, a a broad set of contributions and not a perfect game. Not without warts. He had a he had a missed tackle on the on the Minus two plus sixteen play, uh, so that didn't that wasn't all that great. But but he generally had a, had notes were more positive than the negative. I thought he pursued well. The you know he he didn't even rush the passer on the sack he had. He he only rushed after the the sack was missed and then the pocket broke. So that, that for me that doesn't even count as a as a count on pass rusher. And uh, as a, a standard inside linebacker, one one thing to do is you run right at the quarterback when you're in that the the short zone on his side. Uh, they did a good job against the run, but a lot of his tackles were actually touchdowns rather than tackles. So he, he wasn't like meeting people in the hole, driving through their body. We've seen some from him since he got here. It was a lot more of somebody was tripped up by a lineman or tripped up himself and he, and he got touched down by uh, uh by uh, Roquan so you know n- not not bad by, by any stretch but but not great and then of course yeah you know anytime he can throw in a sack an interception and a really nice PD uh in one game that's a hell of a trifecta that's pretty much enough to cover a lot of sins at inside linebacker agreed for sure that pass breakup you know, on Pittsburgh's drive, when they had the ball with three minutes left to go in the first play, it was really nice. And I mm-hmm. thought on that sack, he just really showed that closing burst that he's known for. So, um, yeah, again, I think you said it perfectly. It wasn't a, He made some bad plays, but the good plays overshadowed them or, or more than compensated for them. Um, let's move on to uh, – let's see here. Um. Marcus Peters, I guess. Um, Mixed game for Marcus. Uh, I think he lost in coverage a few times and then immediately complained about a push-off instead of uh, getting back into the play. Um, Obviously picked up that penalty, although I personally, especially in a rivalry game, I kind of like those players that aren't going to take any crap from anybody. You know, we saw Judon get kicked out of a Steelers game a couple years back and people were, uh, you know, very angry with him. I, that's the Ravens football that I grew up watching that I've come up watching. And I, I like when people defend their teammates and defend their honor like that, but uh, run support was okay. Um, I think he's lost a half a step. Maybe I'm not sure what his future is going forward, but I do still think that his ball hawking ability provides an element, a valuable element to the defense down the stretch this year. Yeah, he certainly, he has the tool set, I think, to be a cover two safety or or a, or a single high safety probably for that matter. 
in terms of being the guy you uh, uh, you want racing to a spot and being able to read the quarterback and figuring out where he's going with the football. The problem is if he's the last line of defense as a tackler, you might not really want that. Mm-hmm. And and that's mm-hmm. some of what happened in this game. He missed a couple of tackles, one on the sideline, uh, another one on a on another pass play. And it's it's you know that's unfortunate. It um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and talk a little bit about what you just said in terms of having people who want to play hard in rivalry games. And I first of all I completely agree with what you're saying. It's basically I want guys who want this to be their Waterloo when they when they play this game. And when you think about you know where the Ravens were. This was the Steelers' Waterloo game. They mm-hmm. had aspirations of getting back in the race with a win over the Ravens, a collapse of the Ravens that would be similar to last year, and the ability then to, to win several games in a row. And the Ravens are one of the teams they could have potentially caught had this gone game, game gone differently for them. And the, it was the Ravens playing at a different level, I think, who, who really made that not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Obviously, nice to knock out Pickett early in the game. Uh, but it's but it, it's it's the Ravens play. So when you talk about playing hard, the one thing I want to see from from Peters is he's one of the most intelligent, crafty players in the entire league in terms of figuring out when it's the right to break right time to break on interception. Turn some of that skill, some of that analysis, some of that tape watching, some of that um, ability to understand how the game is going to be called. Turn some of that on penalties. Marcus mm-hmm. Peters should be great at that. I mean, mm-hmm. should, he should know how to make that first hit, not the second hit. Make the first hit, mm-hmm. and, you know, and get Okorafor to slug you in the face if you can get that, or push at your helmet or something, and and, and get a call made. I mean, uh <laughs> yeah, some of that. Uh, what's the guy on the Eagle, Chauncey Gardner? Uh, yeah, <laughs> who draw who draws more uh, roughing penalties than anyone in the league, like by by twice because he's just constantly uh, that that irritant, that that little fly buzzing in your ear. Yeah. All right. Peters is a good one. I want to talk about one more guy who's in the same vein. That's Justin Matabike. Um, Matabike did some positive things against the run in this game. Not all positive. Again, a lot, a lot of people had trouble coming out of uh, warts. Uh, he obviously has analysis he wants to give us. Should we let him get the microphone? <laughs> I, mean, <yeah. laughs> I actually put him on the deck because he, okay. he decided he wanted to start barking. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why. So that's, all right. that's, all right. uh, that's, that's as far as away as I, as I can get him right now. Unfortunately, you're 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 doing fine, man. We, we will uh, we'll get this done, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some fun doing it. So uh, the the problem was that 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 roughing the passer play was probably one of the worst calls I've seen, and I, the problem I seem to have the most trouble with driving the quarterback into the ground calls because they're the hardest to adjudicate. But there's no doubt he was not late. He did not helmet to helmet him. He did not use his helmet to spear. um, And he did not go low. And those are the main things you have to avoid when you're tackling the quarterback. And the driving him into the ground, you can see he didn't really believe he did that. And he fell off pretty quickly off the right side. He didn't like land on top of him and stay there, which Mm -hmm. is sometimes an indication of 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 a player who... Is really trying to do it. You go back to Syracuse on Gannon, on no Gannon, doubt about right. what he's trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, the right shoulder, right to the right to the chin. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, you know, so I understand why why you know Matipike is clearly frustrated watching the thing on the jumbotron. He, he has his mouth guard out. He's talking to other people in the Ravens huddle, saying, you know, why the hell was they call that? But then he used it in a positive way, and he obviously turned his game up to another level. Got two more pressures on that drive. Uh, and where he had not had a whole lot of pressure the entire game, but he was pissed. 
And mm-hmm. I want to see Justin Netabike come out pissed at whoever you need to be next week. And I, I personally, I, I maybe they maybe they'll need a little bit of advice on who the crew is to to know that roughly the passer is going to be called over officiously mm-hmm. <laughs> in this uh, in this way. But uh, I want Justin Matabike playing at this pissed off level where he's he's going to get pressure on a regular basis. Yeah, and really what a benefit to have him have such a quality rotation that she can have some some juice left in the tank in the fourth quarter where he can be that uh, that X-factor pass rusher. I thought the defensive line was the best position group on the team this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, let's, let's also touch on their, their um, you know, their stalwart, Clay's Campbell. Just another really quality game. He's just so long. It's just almost impossible to prevent him from shedding the blocker whether it's backside, whatever, whatever, he just, he's just so consistent and so hard to, to keep engaged. So, um, you know, he's not like he had a trio of sacks in this game or anything, but he just consistently plays at such a high level that, uh, you know, he, he anchors the unit every week. He plays pretty much every week, not quite, but plays the most snaps on the D line and can do everything. Yeah, I, I agree. And I have to, have to be careful not to put him in star treatment every week because he generates a ton of notes in in terms of what we do. And, and you know, when you got 13, 14 notes on a player, you want to put those 13 or 14 notes into the article or you kind of feel like you've wasted your time writing them down and whatnot. But I mean, I have to I have to split it up a little bit because you know he's he's so outstanding. But normally when he goes in, he gets he gets quite a few and, and he doesn't always make the tackles. He had four tackles in this game, which is a lot for a defensive lineman mm-hmm. to have in, in uh, one game. But, uh, you know, he, he had other contributions as well. Had a great pick play that allowed Batabike to get the roughing the passer mm-hmm. quarterback hit. By the way, I thought that quarterback hit's supposed to stay on the record if the roughing the passer, and if the play is not no played by it. So the play was, the play got counted and then it got okay. extended with the thing. So I thought he's supposed to keep the quarterback hit, but the they, they may fix that during the week, but uh, but they took it out. And, and I was like, okay, well, you got it. That's I know Trubisky is still counting that as a quarterback hit. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, Matt Abike certainly made him feel uh, uh, feel his presence. I, I, I anyway, I, I, Campbell's pick on that play to set that up was a thing of beauty, and he had both those guys in a position where if either had peeled off, it would have created a big problem. Uh, that the I normally talk about having a forty five degree angle between two blockers, so neither of them really has you at all on the block. But Campbell had that on this play, and and maybe even a little bit more on one of them, and and uh, it could have could have been a Campbell sack if it had not been a uh, a, uh, a quarterback hit there by um, by Matabike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyone else uh, individual players? You know, I think I'm ready to move on and talk about the um, the MVPs. You want to go three to one? Like we usually do, sure. So, I kind of already blab, but you go with your number three guy. Well, if I if I if I may, I was going to nominate the the Travis Jones slash Roger Washington platoon as the number three. So I think we touched on them. We explained uh, just really good games from both of them. Stopping the run. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm happy, uh, and you you of course can do whatever you want. I used to do this <laughs> with with Josh Shiroka. And Josh mm-hmm. would nominate a cat that ran on the field or something like that. If there was some weird occurrence, <laughs> some particular fan in the stand, it was looking like an idiot. I mean, just so 
we're, we're used to doing whatever people wanted. Washington, <laughs> Washington Jones, very reasonable. I had Washington alone. I thought he had a, a very fine game, but um, it's, it's nice to see Jones playing at this level. And I think, you know, if you talk about players getting on the field in year one and the value you get out of that, you know, a, a clawback value from having Michael Pierce hurt is the fact that Jones has been active for all these games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, their tendency would be to activate five. That could mean Brent Urban is out, but it could also mean that Jones would have missed some of these games. And you know he's gotten to play and he's played well. And, and I think that's a you know that's a really good um, experience to fail forward into next year. And he has things that he's done well this year, but he's also had things that haven't gone as well. And and he can he can pick up from those. And and he's in a better position, obviously, than David Ajabo, uh, as far as what his starting point will be going into year two. For sure, for sure, no doubt. Um, my number two is going to be Roquan Smith. Um, again, interception, pass breakup, sack, made some good tackles. Um, wasn't a flawless game either, though, so that's why he's my number two. No argument from me on on uh, Roquan. Uh, he's actually my number one guy, so I'll just give that away right now. Patrick Queen is my number two guy, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's your number one guy. But uh, – uh it's a similar set of things i think it really comes down to how bad are the missed tackles really i thought he did a good job as i mentioned earlier of picking up on that flat route coverage where he did it a lot better the second time in terms Mm of of uh uh, creating that did not like the neutral zone infraction because i did not see obviously he's trying to time up the snap didn't make a lot of sense to me. He's, he's, he's being a, um, a, a an official denier after the play in that particular case. Uh, didn't the slot receiver uh, jump, but they missed it, or was that, that was, the other one? Yeah, that was the other one. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm 97 percent sure. Yeah, that was that was Bowser. That was Bowser. Okay, because the question was Bowser wasn't really looking out at the slot receiver, but but the slot receiver moved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Uh, you know, anyway, good, good, you know, he had good containment on a tackle on one he hasn't always made in the past. Uh, that was a minus four plus six, just ended up being a two yard throw, uh, on that Q4 drive, which ended in the block field goal. So, you know, a, a, definitely a good set of contributions. And I think it, a lot of it depends on how much do you really blame him for missing the S minus seven. I think he did a lot of good things coming out of that that are very positive. If I, if I really blaming him for that, he'd still make the top the top three for having the interception, but he might not even be as high as number two. Okay. I'm going to actually probably throw a curveball for number one, and I'm going to select uh, Marcus Williams. I thought that he played uh, kind of a nondescript game, which is almost what you want from a free safety, but the interception he made was a very key play, and it wasn't uh, you know third and long arm punt kind of deal. They were driving. They had good tempo. It was first and ten. Um, and he was one of the only safeties in the league that has that kind of range to go over there and get that ball. So I didn't notice really any negative plays from him, and he made that one really positive play. So that's why I'm going to give him the top the top billing here. Yeah, you know that's that's a that's a really good call too. I like it, and uh, uh, you know the fact that you, you make the point about range. There's a couple of things, and we don't realize it. You can you you can have great range and get to a position where you can get into the bracket or hit the guy. He actually got to the point where he could be five or seven yards behind the receiver in a position to, to actually haul that in as if he's a receiver. Uh, that's just a marvelous play. There aren't a lot of free safeties who can make that. And it really takes instincts 
on the front end of that. And you would really notice if you looked at, at, at how quickly he made the move on that football, made the move on that bracket, as opposed to another free safety, what they might do on it. You'd see a, a definite physical difference there that, uh, that really showed up for Marcus. It's a good pick. I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I would have been good if you'd have said queen too, but we're, uh, we named us some additional players. It's always nice to have a little variation. Sure. Sure. All right, let's take a few questions from the film study mailbag if we can. And we've got uh, some out here. If you can go out to Twitter here, Voss, with me, and we'll, we'll take a look at some. And sure. we'll, we'll see what I've got that, that relates to the defense here. That's an offensive question, so we can't do that one or won't do it today. Another offense. Okay, here's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Jeff B. And it. it Always a big-time fan of the show. Always appreciate getting messages from you, Jeff. But Matabike, who's been playing great often, gets called for RTP. A few questions. How often are these calls crap? <laughs> Why is he getting called so often? What, if anything, should he change? I think he's a physical player. I think the fact that he is sort of a stockier, stout player, um, somehow with the geometry and the leverage of the situation, might mean he's kind of hitting quarterbacks harder than than other people do. Also, I think the, that some of these rules are just not in the spirit of the game of football. I understand protecting players, but at some point that crosses a line that, that's not what the sport intended. So that's my two cents on that one. Yeah, this was a game where, um, where Huntley took a real beating. And I mean, it was even before he got actually knocked out with a concussion. He, he had some run plays where he was getting bent around and hit hard. I mean, things just did did not look really good in terms of that for the game. It did not look like he had a a long um, expectation of being able to play. Let's put it that way. Uh, and and it's you know when you have that, you're already down to your second quarterback. I wonder if the referees, you know, with second quarterback on both sides, weren't really trying to set a message and say, you know, we don't. We don't want this to be decided. This is a Ravens-Steelers game. Not that they would have really necessarily cared about that directly, but the NFL doesn't like backup quarterback games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Ravens are going to be on on uh, uh, national television next week with the uh, with the Saturday game. You know, playing with a backup quarterback, uh, and in this case a third-string quarterback, now looking more and more likely is just not a good thing. Well, two in a row on Saturday, right? Christmas Eve is also the Saturday game. So, uh yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's it's at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to uh, finances. Here's a question from Ange Love eighty five. Um, looking ahead to January, no jinxing, she says. Which team does the defense match up with best? Who should we avoid? Um, a question about miscommunication. Also, extend Roquan now? Question mark. Defense is a hundred percent better with them. Okay, I got to find that whole question because there's a lot of good stuff in there. So, who do uh, they match up well with, and who do they uh, not match up well against? I, I mean, I think you know, I think the, the success has not been uniform, but I think the Titans might be a team they match up pretty well with. You know, they don't have uh, obviously the more they depend on Henry, probably the more it plays into the Ravens' uh, wheelhouse. Henry has not been playing all that great recently. Uh, obviously, the Titans have had a lot of success stopping the Ravens' run in the playoffs previously. Yeah. Uh, at times, um, you know, but the Titans also seem to be a team where it's the home team does not seem to have a tremendous amount of success in this rivalry. Let's just put it that way in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I think they definitely match up well against Tennessee. Even in that first Tennessee playoff game, they really had Henry bottled up until the game script got away from him. And uh, and then then, it, then he opened it up. Um, who do they not match up well against? I'm scared of Kansas City, and I'll admit that. Yeah. And I've been scared of them for four years, and that's probably where a lot of my strategic and roster-building ideas come from because they've made four straight conference championship games – and they have excellent quarterback and an excellent head coach and a lot of pieces. I think their defense might could even be better than it has been in previous years. Um, Buffalo doesn't scare me quite as much. I think Kansas City has a lot better offensive line than Buffalo, and I think that could make a big difference if those were the two. Um, Cincinnati, we'll see. We'll see how that second game plays out. I'm still kind of accepting, expecting a little bit of defensive regression from Cincinnati. But they've uh, they've seemingly figured it out pretty well on offense lately. Yeah, that that's I think Cincinnati is a team I fear because even their third wide receiver is going to give somebody like Hamilton a lot of trouble in the slot. And in, in Tyler Boyd, they also have other players. By the way, they don't have to use Boyd exclusively there if they want a faster guy. They've got those, um, so they've they've got options that they can that they can use. And they are a team that can put ten on the field. And being a team that plays the Ravens twice in a season sees the fact that the Ravens now are using Hamilton and they don't really have another option at slot corner. Maybe they could get one. I mean, maybe they, there's a guy on the street, literally a veteran cornerback out on the street that would make more sense than uh, Seymour or Worley or Stevens or Pepe at this point. I really don't know what's out there, but it, it's this is a rare time where I'm not even 100% sure that the best available slot corner out on the street wouldn't be something wouldn't be somebody who could help the Ravens at this point. Yeah, I mean they had Worley taking defensive snaps two weeks ago. So <laughs> and uh I don't know. Stevens um his career's uh in limbo a little bit at this point. Yeah. And the other question was about Roquan. Should they pay him now the defense is hundred percent better? I mean you hope the defense is better. You're paying a second round pick and a fifth round pick for a guy that's wants you know close to twenty million dollars a year. The question is, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I'm not sure it is. You know, if you put that money towards him, then that's less money he had to put towards other people. So, yeah, that's I, my view. The Ravens are going to have to make some tough choices this offseason. Calais Campbell is in the last year of his contract, and he's still a hell of a player. It'd be a shame if they didn't you know, do that. Now, Calais may retire anyway, in particular if the Ravens have a, have, you know, win a Super Bowl. I think he probably will retire. Mm-hmm. So will some other players, by the way. Um, but, but Calais, you know, at 6.5 million for this next year is a bargain at that price. And yet it may be a bargain that the Ravens can't even afford. So all of the places where they can, they can spend money, they need to be careful and they need to try and resolve the Lamar situation if they can. So it doesn't become a, uh, a full, uh, tag hit next year that they have to take for it as opposed to a, uh, a multi-year deal. Right. They can sort of, you know play little games with those cap hits and borrow some money from the future and that sort of thing. Um, me personally, I'm, I'm not a fan of paying inside linebackers, not even one. I'd rather go cheap at both. That's me. Okay. Personally. Well, that's, that's, that's the extreme position. And I'm okay with it too, honestly, but I think they're, you know, they're going to pay Patrick Queen some money next year. The inside linebacker number is not all that high. I'm constantly reminded, but uh, uh, I don't know whether it's 10, 12 million, whatever it might be. Uh, but it's, but it's fifth year. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is either. It's the same. It's not the same as the tag, right? No, 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 no. It's less no. than that. 
um, but yeah, it's like 23 million for Lamar even this year relative to, you know, what the tag would be, which is mm. I think in the forties now. So. 45, right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, do you see anything more out there? I didn't see another question. That yes. Really there was a question about Marlon playing cover three. Um, do they think, let me find it. Give me one moment. It, uh, this is not the first time Marlon has been beaten cover three. Do the Ravens need to consider avoiding that coverage going forward from Frank Sports 21? I mean, it, it, there's. I'll start with this. There's, there's no coverage that you completely rule out of your playbook. I mean, once you do that, you're, you're just limiting the set of options. So you can't play all zone. You can't play all man. You can't play all zone schemes. You can't play all gap schemes. If you're talking about running the football, you got to have a nice mix of things to, to you know, have different tools in the toolkits for different times in the game, certainly in terms of zone coverage. Now, if you're saying, should they play it less? Should they play more man in some situations? Sure. There are some, I don't think Humphrey is a bad player to help you coming down. I think he has good ball skills. He also has great man skills. Um, and you can, by the way, you can switch it up on two sides such that you still get the benefit of Peters playing cover three, which he really loves to do seemingly. And Humphrey playing man on the other side. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have the numbers on the on the cover three versus you know what coverages percentages they're using. Um, I saw a lot of too high in this game mm-hmm. uh, from from what I saw, and I personally like too high. But I completely agree. You have to mix it up. You have to use every different coverage, and just completely keep people guessing. I think this was a one off game for Marlin. I'm not. Ex- I don't think there's an issue going forward. I think he's played well enough, including this game, to be an All Pro. So that's how I see it. It's sometimes I think the Ravens, uh, when they look at the money invested in defense, and they look at the draft picks invested in defense, and they look at the history of this franchise, maybe they expect a little bit too much out of the defense. You have to understand the rules are slanted towards the offense. That's why you have a drive where they. Pittsburgh doesn't do too much, and they get a roughing the passer and a pass interference, and they're at the five-yard line. That's just the way the game's played these days. The key to, the key to defense is generating takeaways. That's in my view. Well, they've done a pretty good job. I agree with you on the too-high comment, by the way, that, that you know one thing we're not seeing is all-out blitzes anymore at all. And what I mean is everybody at the line of scrimmage, meaning seven or eight as opposed to um, – uh, six even. We, see, we still see double A. We still see them drop out of that and and drop into short zones. You don't always know who's dropping. Sometimes it's the inside linebackers who come in the middle or one of two, and sometimes the outside linebackers drop. Sometimes the inside linebackers drop. So you, 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 they've got good variation coming from that, but the thing they're not doing is Martindale, both safeties at the line of scrimmage on the same play very often. Uh, mm-hmm. You know they, They're trying to, to get coverage matchups that will, that will uh, uh, at least hold up to some way and have a back end to them <laughs> so, mm-hmm. they can, so they can do something. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it'd be a shame with this, that the personnel they have, and I'm, I'm really particularly talking about Geno Stone and getting him back on the field that, that, that they couldn't play cover two, but Clark, even Clark and Williams is a good cover two unit. I mean, Williams is a great cover two guy and, and Clark is an okay guy who's been occasionally forced into playing free safety. I think much maligned for his, for his, uh, what he actually provides in coverage, but, uh, uh, but Stone, when you have him back there, you have real instincts back there in terms of being a um, a loose or tight bracket guy. And uh, I would love to see them. Uh, you know, I think I think they found a good formula with McDonald 
to not be too aggressive on the pass rush, still get a fair amount of pressure because they've been successful this year in terms of rushing the passer and keep themselves fairly well rested through games so, such that uh, they should be playing now good defensive football the rest of the way. And I expect still as much as, you know, people want Lamar to come back and lead the team, that it will be the defense that leads them into the playoffs and, and to whatever success they have in the playoffs. I co-sign that. This is a championship caliber defense. As long as the offense does their part and doesn't put them on the field after three, three and outs in the fourth quarter and say, go hold this lead. I think the defense is championship caliber. Voss, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Just we could, I'm sure we could go for hours here, but uh, we're going to have to call it here. One more time, where can folks find you on Twitter? At Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. All right, outstanding. I've heard some people talking about trying to change their at name. Can you do that? I have no idea. Honestly, I'm I'm uh, not. I'm going to turn forty in February, so I'm not the most technologically savvy. <laughs> oh well, that does not make me feel very good as a fifty-nine year old. I can tell you, that. <laughs> so we'll get through it anyway. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. You know what I'm looking for by now: twenty to twenty-five minute topic. You can stretch that a little bit if you need to, but twenty to twenty-five minute topic, so we can provide some shorter content for people who might like to hear something uh, on film study, but are not willing to commit an hour even on their their commute uh to listening to the full podcast but uh love to hear from you i'll get back to you right away boss thanks again for coming on my pleasure thank you we'll talk to you next time on Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.